It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. I'm Ashley Frasca. That means this is Green and Growing. Happy to be here with you until 9 o'clock this morning. Uh, We've had a lot of info and still much more to go. And a couple of weeks ago, I shared with you the garden clinic that I went to. Dan Cathy of Chick-fil-A. His farm down south of Metro Atlanta got to meet garden rock star Dr. Alan Armitage, uh, professor emeritus at the University of Georgia Horticulture Department, and can't wait to bring you more from Dr. A in the coming weeks. I promise we have a visit set up. He will be on the show. But we talked about, and by the way, uh, congratulations to Dan Cathy stepping away as CEO of Chick-fil-A and they've announced that his son Andrew Cathy is going to take over so that's really exciting I never got to tell Dan that in person but shared with you some of the things I learned from the two of them while we were down there and also a list of garden apps we kind of got to talking about that because people that attended the clinic many were beginning gardeners you know so one of the most overwhelming challenges you have as a new gardener you see a plant you like a plant you like a flower but you don't know what it is. So I prepared a list, shared it with you a couple weeks ago, but I'm going to share it with you again. A lot of you is backed by popular demand. You asked for it. One is Armitage's Great Garden Plants. Yes, that is Dr. A's app. That one's $4.99 as a download. Well worth it, though, like a very comprehensive encyclopedia of everything. Seek by iNaturalist. That's a good one. Also, picture this. And Plant Snap, that's one that a lot of you have heard of and maybe use. Google Lens, now that is not just exclusively for plants or things out in the garden, but if you have the Google app on your phone already and you enter or open like the search bar, it's the camera icon, the little square icon right next to the microphone. You can take a picture of just about anything and that'll identify it. Some other ones that are of interest, uh, Tennessee Wildflowers. Just search for that, and they have many of the same wildflowers we have here in Georgia. Uh, Mobile Weed Manual, that is put out by the University of Tennessee, and I have found that quite helpful. eBird, you've heard me talk about eBird, the Audubon Society, Cornell University, when we do the uh, Great Backyard Bird Count with those folks every year. And one more, Leaf Snap. That's a good one. That takes pictures of the leaves. That was created by the Smithsonian in conjunction with University of Maryland and Columbia University. So the app will supply the tree's name and high-quality photos and information about its bark, its flowers, its fruits, and seeds, so you can kind of see it through. We'll get back to your calls in just a moment, but I did want to mention, I get some great questions on the Facebook page, Green and Growing WSB, and one recently was from Cynthia. Cynthia wondering if elephant ears need to be cut back for the winter any tips for getting them through the winter. And I was really pleased to plant some elephant ears maybe four years back when I met Nicole. You all know Nicole from Griffin that opened the show with Walter every Saturday morning. She's still around. She's got a different work schedule. We hear from Nicole every now and then. But she shared with me the tubers or the rhizomes of elephant ears. I planted them and I've been so happy ever since. Trimming them back, you don't have to, but when the flowers or the big leaves rather are fading like they are now, it's fine to go down to the base of them, base of the stem, snip it off, throw that debris away, put it in the compost pile, do something with it. And I have found the first year I dug them up, 
because I was afraid I didn't want to lose them over the winter time. Dug them up, put them back out in a different place the second year, and that's where they have remained ever since. I think they overwinter pretty well in the ground for most places around metro Atlanta. If you even have any doubt, you can just cover it over with some leaves, you know, that you rake over it and lay a nice thick layer of leaves or mulch or pine straw or something like that over them, and they should be okay. Now, granted, I say that, and if this winter is extreme, then we might lose them. But so far, that has worked well for me with the elephant ears and the candle lilies as well. Uh, We cut our elephant ears back a little too early for my tastes, maybe the end of September. I think my husband was just tired of using the weed eater around them and cut them back. I would have waited until they faded like they have now. But nevertheless, Cynthia, I think those are going to overwinter just fine. Up next, Susan in Snellville. Hey, Susan, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for taking my call. Yeah. Um, I have some uh, cannas, which uh, this year have developed, uh, they do every year, the leaf rollers. Yes. And so they look terrible, and I want to know how to stop it next year. Mm, So that's getting out there early. As soon as they start to leaf out and as soon as they start to unfurl, Um, really looking carefully. And I think for that, you can use a a BT product, Bacillus thuringiensis, um, because I think, if I'm not mistaken, they're in the caterpillar family. So if you start with a BT spray, I think that's probably going to keep them at bay early on. What should I do with the cannas right now? I have some around a pine tree. They've made a really beautiful half circle around a pine tree. And I generally wait until they start to lean. Like they literally start leaning out like they're going to fall over. And that's when I just get tired of pushing the mower around them and they get in the way. So I cut them all the way back. I'd leave them a little bit longer. Like my husband cut back the elephant ears a couple of weeks ago too, which I wish he hadn't done. But the longer you leave the good, healthy, green foliage on there, then it really helps feed back the rhizome and the tuber in the ground. But once everything starts to brown and and lean and all that, it's not doing any good. So you can cut them back. And luckily, the leaf rollers, they don't overwinter. It's not like you're going to, you know, when you're throwing the the cuttings out in the woods, it's not like you're spreading those guys or anything like that. Oh, okay. So I don't need to worry about trying to treat the ground when Mm. I cut them down. Okay. not at all. So yes, next year, get ahead of it a little bit. Keep an eye out as the leaves are unfurling and have BT on hand, and that'll keep them at bay. Okay. The other question I had, I used my mower to to vacuum up my leaves. Yeah. I noticed this year the voles or a mole or whatever is in my yard again. I didn't notice it all summer and now all of a sudden he's back whichever one it is. So do you see the tunnels that make the ground soft? Yes, it's all smushy. Yes. Okay, so that's definitely a mole. So the moles are larger. They tunnel. They open up those pockets and those airways and those tunnels right underneath the soil surface and hence when you're pushing the mower, when you're walking around, everything's really soft. Um, This sounds stupid, Susan, but it always worked for Walter Reeves for years on the show, talking about stomping those tunnels down. And you look like an idiot when you're doing it. You're jumping up and down on your yard and your neighbors are thinking, what in the world? But you can feel as you're compressing those tunnels and it forces them to go out. It forces them to maybe go into the neighbor's yard, to maybe go into the back of the yard. Um, and what they're after, moles, they'll eat bugs and things, whereas voles, the little guys, they like roots of plants. So they're more apt to you know, eating that. But moles, if they're after grubs, earthworms, those kinds of things, if it really, really becomes a problem, then that's what you want to start tackling is the grubs, getting an insecticide for the grubs 
Earthworms, I hate to say kill them because they're so beneficial, but you're getting rid of their food source. So between that and stomping the tunnels down, they won't be happy and they will leave your property. They will go somewhere else. Thanks so much for calling, Susan. Joya calls from Kennesaw. Good morning. Good morning, Ashley. Thank you for taking my call. Yeah. I have purchased a home and inherited actually two Japanese maples. One looks like a bush. And the other is the Japanese maple tree. And they both seem to have been neglected over the years. And I'm wondering with the tree, it's getting really tall. And I'm wondering if I can prune some of the height out of it. Oh, boy. That is a good question for my friend Norm Mitleider. He's a certified aesthetic pruner and knows all about that because I'm not really familiar with the characteristics. And there's so many varieties, Joya, too that a lot of them are very picky in the way, you know, the shape that they're genetically predisposed to growing. Um, A lot of things right now, as a general rule of thumb, we don't want to be doing major pruning on trees and shrubs right now because that sends the signal to the plant to put out new growth. And then as that new Uh. growth comes out, we're going to get cold. We're going to have a little cold spell here in, you know, maybe four weeks, maybe six weeks, and that new growth is going to get bit and die with the frost, you know, whatever, hopefully not a freeze this soon. But so generally I would stay away from that. Um, And any maintenance pruning, again, is if you're doing it for reduction in size, we never do more than about a quarter or a third at one time. So any major size reduction is done kind of in stages. So I would hold off and not be doing much this year, but you can do pruning in the wintertime because you have that winter silhouette, the leaves have fallen off. You kind of have a better idea, you know, of the big limb that you can remove when you stand back and kind of look. That may remove some of the height, Joya, if you're able to take out the bigger limbs that are growing taller than you would desire the tree to be. So if you don't mind, do a little bit of research on winter pruning and silhouette pruning, and that may start to guide you right in getting a little bit done once the leaves fall off. Okay. Yeah. So hopefully that helps. And you know what? I'm going to hang over your question for when I do have my friend Norm on because he is so good with Japanese maples and really giving people like, you know, just making it really easy, giving them basic information that's not overwhelming. And like I said, those trees are just so beautiful and oftentimes so expensive. I don't want to guide you wrong. But yeah, general rule of thumb, I, I would certainly follow those. Okay. Thank you. Have a great weekend. You too. Thank you. Wide open the phone lines, 404-872-0750. And if we need to, we can talk a little bit about planting fruit trees. Now is the time to do it. And the best advice from the University of Georgia Extension Service on how to do it. We'll be right back. It's Green and Growing. You're listening to 95.5 WSB. You're here. You're in the right place. It's 95.5 WSB and Green and Growing, wrapping up the show for the day before Halloween. It's Ashley Frasca. And uh, all of this month, we've had updates from the Georgia Forestry Commission with the Georgia Leaf Watch, where to see the best color. And with all the information you need is Seth Hawkins. Good morning. Hey, Ashley. How are you doing this morning? Very good. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks for having the Georgia Forestry Commission on again to uh, talk about the fall leaf color this year. Um, we're really finally starting to get into it. It's running a little late this year. Um, just, you know, just the weather's just kind of culminated. But now we're getting those cool nights and those nice sunny days for the most part, and it's really starting to accelerate, um, especially up about above 3,000 feet, especially over in the northeast part of the state. Um, we're at about 90, 95% uh, color change to date. Um, so the oaks are really finally starting to come in with the red and purple. 
along the roadside, the sassafras, dogwood, sourwood, they're really bringing in those reds, too, as understories next to the road. So it's great for riding along and watching. Um, over in the northeast part and north central part of the state, the uh, hickories and birches are really starting to come in with their yellows. We're looking at about 50 plus percent above 2,500, 3,000 feet as far as percentage of color change. Um, you know, over there, ride from like Blairsville, Highway 180 over to Suches, and you'll have a lot of good elevation change and see a lot of good color change over there. And over in the northwest part of the state, you know, about 2,000 feet or so is when you're starting to see. About 40 to 50% color change up Cloudland Canyon, Lookout Mountains. We're going to see the best color right now in that part of the state. Take a ride up there, check it out. Again, we've got the sassafras really coming in. The uh, hickory and birch a little bit, but really more the dogwoods, sourwoods, and some of the oaks starting to come in with their red. Seth, one of my absolute favorite segments to do. Thank you so much for being here for me and for the listeners this month. Have a great weekend. Awesome. And thanks so much, Ashley. I hope everybody gets to get out there and enjoy this fall color again. You know, this week above 3,000 feet is when it's going to peak. In the lower elevations, look for that first, second week of November. So we should get a nice, good next two weeks of color change. Please visit our website, everyone, gatrees.org. There's a fall leaf color page there. You can check out pictures and reports from all fall and see some other great tree care and uh, leaf watching resources. Thank you so much for being here. You're listening to 95.5 WSB. with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries on 95.5 WSB. Hey, it's the day before Halloween. Things can get a little spooky. You're listening to Green and Growing. I'm glad you're here. Half an hour left to go, but this is the time of the show where we always speak to someone from Pike Nursery. You heard just a couple of hours ago, Walter Reeves and I talking about houseplants. Time to bring them in time to baby them a little bit. And I've got with me Kara Mulvey, the manager of the Holcomb Bridge location. Hey, Kara, good morning. Good morning. So Thanks we, for having me. Yeah, I'm always glad to have you back. And I liked talking to you um, offline just a few minutes ago about, you know, a lot of these plants we're going to talk about people have had outside um, in the warmer months. But give us some reminders of how to be careful when we're making that transition from bringing things in and out and in and out. House plants, most of the time, they're tropical plants living outside in full sun somewhere, um, probably in a lot warmer climate. Um, but you got to remember of how they're grown. So if they're an outdoor plant living in full sun, um, like a citrus plant or um, anything that you have in direct sun for eight plus hours a day, you have to remember that bringing them in, you're going to see some hardships and vice versa. So if you buy a house plant, even though you've seen it outside in full sun, you have to just remember that you have to keep it in those same kind of climates. So if it's grown in a shadier area, you got to keep it in a shadier area. So keeping it away from the direct sun so it doesn't get scorched. And a lot of these are going to be so tolerable to, you know, us bringing indoors and making sure they're not near a drafty window or right above a vent where they're drying out, the soil's drying out too quickly. But um, with most of these houseplants, like you said, that are in tropical environments, they need a lot of bright sunlight in, in the house, right? They do, and they need a little extra humidity as well, um, especially in the wintertime when you have your heat going, it can dry out your air. So be mindful of that. They might need, um, especially like orchids 
or um, dracaenas, they might just be lacking a little bit of humidity. So compensating with maybe spritzing it a little bit, not necessarily the blooms or anything, but spritzing them, trying to act a give it that humidity, especially if you had it outside here in Georgia, because we just have such a high humidity count, um, you know, in our summers, the rainy, especially this summer, it was very nice and rainy. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So we're talking about kind of tropical houseplants. And I like that, Kara, because we don't just have to think of strictly green houseplants. So your list here includes a lot of colorful ones. Where do you want to start? One of the best fall favorites are crotons. Crotons, you've probably seen them in Florida. They plant them like shrubs in Florida or more tropical climates like California. Um, they want a really, really bright light for you to be successful with these, but they have just an array of colors. They have beautiful reds and greens and oranges and all the leaves. Um, the Petra is one of my favorites. It's the variety that just has really big leaves and it has all the different colors in it. Um, you also have your mammies that are a little skinny. They have a little curl to them. They're a little more, um, they might be better for like your Halloween de- decoration. Yeah. They've got a little bit more of a spooky feel to them. Now, and one thing too, I've, then, I've had a croton that's been alive for years, really happy in a pot inside in my eastern facing window. And I'm glad you were talking about just how broad the leaves are and things and, and needing that sunlight. It's always a good idea to turn them, too, because sure enough, my croton will start, like, leaning in one direction, rotate the pot, and then it's yeah. happy. And make sure, if you get a lot of leaf drop on them, um, call us up, and we'll, we'll talk you through how to um, fix that problem. It's typically a watering issue or a light issue if they're dropping a, a good amount of leaves. Good. Okay, what's up next? Now we have bromeliads. Bromeliads are great um, all-year favorite because they just add so much color um, to your environment. Um, they have it's their leaves um, are bright, r- bright reds, yellows, oranges, um, and they'll kind of brighten up the space. Um, they'll last you quite a few, um, probably six to eight months inside, um, and then they'll create what's called a pup. And then they'll create a full other plant. Um, but vermilions are great. They're easy. They want super bright light again. And they don't need a ton of water either. Up next, you also have a calancho. Um, it's another kind of blooming house plant that's really pretty. You can get them in red, orange, yellow, pink, white even. Sometimes you'll find them in. But they're a great, they're a highlight blooming plant inside. Um, but they need a, they don't need a ton of water. They're a low-watering plant, um, but they just add a good amount of color. They are part of the succulent family. They will just brighten up your space. You also have your aglaonema. So this is good for a lower light area. Um, aglaonema is actually one of my favorites. They have all, an assortment of different colors um, from reds. They do have a good amount of greens as well, but most of the time they almost look like they're spray painted. Their, their leaves look fake because their leaves are just so pretty wow. and they have such different colors and there's no texture to them, but they're these big leaves and they just can fill any kind of space. Um, they don't want a ton of water. You let them completely dry out in between waterings, um, especially if you have them in lower light. They want to even cut back. I water mine. I have a spring snow variety. Um, that's my favorite. It's a white variegated one. And I let it dry out, and I probably water it every three weeks. Wow. Okay. Um, 
And I just make sure that I give it a good drench when I do water it. And, and she is super, super happy. Um, another one of my favorites is orchids. Your Oncidium orchids, um, they have a smaller bloom to them, but they have a lot of them. And they come, they have burnt orange, they have a deep yellow, they have a great fall color, and they can add um, that fall look to your home with a great bloom to them. Um, they uh, need medium to highlight. The higher the light, the better they'll do. Their blooms last a very long time if you keep them um, consistently um, watered. You don't want them to dry out completely in between waterings like you might do, um, like you can sometimes with like your phalaenopsis, but you want them to keep a constant moisture. A lot of times you'll see them planted directly into peat moss um, or a moisture like a type of moss that keeps in that moisture. Um, but they are great look for fall color. Now, um, yeah, so if we have success with, with regular orchids, these are going to be kind of along the same lines, but just like you said, do let them dry out in between or don't? No, do oh, not. Okay. This one, do not. You do not want to keep let them dry out in between. Wow, a lot of fall colors in, in a lot of these. I mean, like we talked about Croton being one of my absolute favorite. It's so low maintenance, and it doesn't really flower often here but in Florida, like you said, where they're growing in people's lanai's and things like that, you see, you know, some flowers from time to time. But um, all good houseplants. And kind of, Kara, really briefly, tell people when they walk into that section of Pike Nursery how easy it is set up so that you know exactly what you're going for. All of our houseplant rooms are going to be set up by light exposure. So the the front tables are going to be your low light. And then it's going to gradually, as you walk into the department, is going to be highlight. Um Remember, though, a lot of your low-light plants can take a little bit more light. We're going to um, advertise them as the way of the lowest light requirements they can take, um, just to so everybody's successful. But, you know, snake plants, aglinemas, they can take medium to higher light. Fun, and I know you have success with a ton on this list. So where can folks find uh, pictures and maybe a little more information about houseplants? You can go to pikenursery.com, and we do have online orders. So if you can't make it out to the store, um, we do have delivery options available, same-day delivery for smaller orders. So just check us out online and um, at pikenursery.com, and we have all of our different um, houseplants on there as well. Some of these great gift ideas, folks. You don't have to stick with orchids. You don't have to stick with African violets. A lot of the ones Kara just mentioned are so much fun and good fall color. Well, Kara, thank you so much for joining us, and you enjoy the weekend. Yes, of course. Thank you so much. All right. You're listening to Green and Growing. We're going to stay, stay tuned because we'll be back with the top three things to do in the landscape this weekend. It's Ashley Frasca on WSB. For one final time in the month of October, the weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. What a show. A lot of help I've had today from you and your calls and things you're observing out in the lawn from Clint Walt, University of Georgia turf grass specialist. Also, Walter Reeves, we covered overwintering houseplants. So you're definitely going to want to go back and listen to that. Also, Glenn Legacki and Taryn from Trees Atlanta with great advice about invasives. And of course, Pike Nursery sharing with us Kara Mulvey, all of her favorite colorful houseplants. Green, green and growing. Ashley Frasca's top three things to do this weekend. 
one of my favorite things to do right here. Share some info with you. Number one, the shelf life of many lawn chemicals can last two years if stored properly. And a former guest on the show, Lance Walheim with BioAdvanced, reminds us if you're sharing or storing products, never do so in an unlabeled container. If you're just disposing of granular products, seal the container and throw it away in the trash. But if liquid, put kitty litter in there first and then seal it up and trash it. Number two, Clint Waltz says, as long as it's green, you can treat nut sedge in the lawn with a product like Sedge Hammer or Sedge Ender. And if you don't know if you've got nut sedge or not, go over to my Facebook page, Green and Growing WSB. Look under photos and albums, Weed of the Week, and I've got a picture for you there. Here's Becky Griffin from the University of Georgia with number three. Make sure that you look at those stems in your flowers that are spent, like maybe your sunflowers or blackberries. If they're hollow, that means they'd make a perfect bee home. So don't be so quick to throw them on the burn pile, but save them for some native bee habitat. Becky Griffin was such a big part of the show for me last Saturday. Enjoyed my trip up to the UGA Mountain Research and Education Center campus in Blairsville. I'll give you a number four since Becky had number three there. Number four, if you're wanting to propagate angel trumpet, my goodness, some of them have been so beautiful this month. Cut a sturdy six to eight inch stem before the first frost. Remove the bottom leaves, just put in a clear jar and let it develop roots. It can be on a sunny windowsill throughout the wintertime. Transfer to a good pot of dirt and then plant in the spring in a sunny area. Thanks so much for being a part of the show today. We will be back. The month of November is going to be a pretty busy one, too. And don't forget, just because we're anticipating colder weather, of course, You know, now is really a good time to plant trees and shrubs, make new installations of that, plus plant perennials. There's so many different varieties of Pike Nursery where you can kind of plan your landscape to where something's always going to be in bloom. But perennials and trees and shrubs, too, that's just one of those things. Set it and forget it. Plant it now. It's going to have time in the warm enough soil to develop a good root system And then it'll reward you for years to come. So definitely keep that in mind. And, of course, you're always welcome to call the show. I will be back next Saturday. And in the meantime, wishing the Georgia Bulldogs good luck down in Jacksonville in the swamp as they – well, that's not really the swamp. I guess that's Florida Stadium. But they take on the Florida Gators trying to remain undefeated after a bye weekend last weekend. Fingers crossed. Go dogs! Have a great Saturday. You've been listening to Green and Growing. I'm Ashley Frasca. Talk to you Monday morning from the Traffic Center. It's 95.5 WSB. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.